going on star wars fans welcome back to another mando monday right here on the streamer season podcast feed presented by underground sports philadelphia kb coming at you from underground studios and joining me via the way of the voice line dylan mazzola as always and our clone wars expert the one and only intern harry the k what's going on fellas just chilling happy to be here we got a lot to dive into with this episode, and that is for sure. Uh, but before we do that, we got to give a shout out to our incredible sponsors, Tomahawk Shades. You guys see me wearing my Blue Light Plus glasses each and every episode. Harrison, if the listeners of Streamer Season listen to OTB, they know you have like 17 pairs of Blue Light Plus and sunglasses in your cart. I think Dylan's gotten on that wave as well recently, yes, especially sir. with Cyber Week. Still going on at TomahawkShades.com. You guys want to get up to 80% off site-wide on the best eyewear in the game. Sunglasses, Blue Light Plus glasses. They've also got watches and a whole bunch of other apparel on their website. 60 to 80% off on Tomahawk Shades' website right now with the code CYBER at checkout. And if you want to help continue supporting the podcast and the podcast network, when you go to checkout at TomahawkShades.com, Enter our code USP. If you miss out on Cyber Week, say you got to wait until the paycheck comes through. You can still use our code at any time. USP gets you 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. And make sure you sign up for their rewards program so you start earning Hawk Points. Because for every dollar you spend, you earn Hawk Points. That essentially turns into free money that you can use on the site to spend on Blue Light Plus glasses sunglasses, whatever it may be. I've got a ton of Hawk points on my account right now as I sign in. The purchases I've made, I've, I've got a ton of Hawk points that I could just go ahead and, and I've got a $25 reward sitting on my account right now. That's almost half a pair of sunglasses in a normal world. But with Tomahawk Shades, that's almost a, a brand new spanking pair of sunglasses because they are a quality product for an affordable price. You only get one set of eyes. Protect them while you're watching The Mandalorian each and every week with the Blue Light Plus glasses on Tomahawk Shades' website, TomahawkShades.com. Quality product for an affordable price. And, of course, guys, support for Streamer Season and Mando Mondays is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. 
and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Guys, when I tell you it's premium, I mean premium. I don't know if it is or not, but I, I'm coming to the conclusion that the Lawnmower 3.0 is made out of Beskar because this thing is indestructible. And uh, the battery is going to last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas brighter than a lightsaber for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you guys are listening to Mando Mondays each and every week, myself, Dylan, and Harrison want you to experience the Manscaped experience firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours so you don't have a Wookiee in your pants. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will Thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Guys, I don't know about you, but I was kind of surprised with how quickly we got to Tython in this episode. You know, we last yes. left off Mando and, and Grogu, uh, you know, leaving Ahsoka on Corvus. She said, you got to go to the planet Tython so he can sit on this seeing rock and potentially call out to Jedi. And uh, I thought Tython was going to be like the end point. We talked about this on the last episode that they were going to build up to getting to Tython, but this might be the quickest Mando has ever gotten to a destination in the entire series. Yeah. There's no gas. Uh, <laughs> it actually had gas. There's no breaking down in space. He didn't need a jump start. His tires didn't get flat. He got, he got right there, Kyle. It was yeah, nice. It was, it was immediate. And, you know, no filler episode in between the plot points here. Let's just get straight into it. We are moving the story forward immediately. Yeah, it was a good change of pace. I think they heard everyone say, like, the, you know, jokingly, like, oh, here comes another pit stop. And they were like, nah. <laughs> yeah, they, they said, miss me with that. Um, yes. This episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez. A lot of you guys know Robert Rodriguez for, uh, you know, the Spy Kids movies, Machete, whole bunch of, you know, action, Classics. gory, blood, you know, you, you know a Robert Rodriguez film when you see it, and this episode, you knew it was a Robert Rodriguez episode, um, but the Razor Crest approaches the planet Tython. What were your guys' initial thoughts on how Tython looked? Because this is the first time we've seen it in live action. It's not ugly. Like, uh, yeah, kind of looks, you know, the, the trees and the rock way out. It was very mountainous. Yeah, definitely. I like yeah, I, I, I agree. Mountainous vibe. It kind of, a little more, well, no, actually, it kind of reminded me of parts of, like, Arizona. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if I looked up and that's where it was filmed. Um, but, yeah, it looked like, because I, I, I go out there all the time, and that's what it looked like to me. Kind of gave me Stonehenge vibes. Yeah, it was cool. Uh -huh. Especially the, uh, the the seeing rock is what it's called. Yeah, it was. Uh, it kind of also looked like 
you know, the the way the rocks were positioned, then obviously when Grogu sits on the the seeing rock, it, it had like that laser beam kind of look to the rocks, like kind of forming like a cannon, and then we had the the giant beam go up when uh, Grogu tapped into everything when he started doing yoga. But we'll get into <laughs> that in just a little bit. Um, so they approach Tython. Mandu's talking to Grogu, calling him by his name, laughing when Grogu responds, <laughs> kind of starting to see some emotion from Din. And uh, he's like training Grogu on how to use the force with that ball that he loves. Um, and you know, he, he kind of drops the dank ferric, makes Grogu think that he's, uh, pissed off at him. And it's like, no, I'm not mad at you, but the nice lady, which I found very funny that he called it. Soka, the, <laughs> the nice, nice lady. lady, the nice lady, the, the deadly Jedi who <laughs> has been one of the biggest badasses over the past few years of star Wars. The nice lady. Um, and then, you know, he's like, we're going to find people to, uh, to train you because I can't do it because you're too powerful. Um, so then they're uh, they're getting ready to to land on Tython and they see the the seeing stone and it's it's too it's not enough space for him to land. So he said we're gonna have to make this landing with the windows down, and uh, that's when we see Mando and and Baby Yoda flying through the air with the jetpack. And uh, Grogu just living his best life, flying <laughs> through the air. And then that's, I'm pretty sure when we cut to uh, the title screen and we find out the episode name is called The Tragedy. Yeah. Right there, <laughs> right there was the moment I was like, oh, I'm going to need to buckle in right now. Yeah, yeah. They kind of, definitely, definitely by design, they want you to know this is not a peaceful daddy-son bonding time. <laughs> it's gonna get real uh so they they eventually get to you know the to tython they they make their way and uh you know they see the stone in the the kind of dome coliseum looking uh peak of that mountain and uh mando puts grogu on the top of the stone and he's like come on kid like you know you Ahsoka said that, you know, I put you on the top of this stone and you would just do the rest. And, uh, you know, he puts on his uh, his scanner Mando vision to kind of look and see if there's any type of, you know, switches or controls to, you know, flick on for this thing to work. And then Grogu's playing with a butterfly, which we've seen butterflies in Star Wars before. Um, a lot of people trying to speculate, uh, you know, ties to Kylo Ren who loved the butterflies and everything. I didn't really get that vibe, but it was kind of a, a funny little Easter egg I'd say is cause we've seen butterflies a ton in star Wars. Um, and while Mando is, uh, trying to get this thing to activate, he sees a ship, you know, flying in the air. And this was like, Pump your fist. Let's go. Let's ride. It's Slave One in the air, which is Boba Fett's starship. And we've been talking about it the past couple of weeks. We, you know, we saw Boba Fett in episode one. And then we had uh, of this season and we've had no idea where he's been. Um, 
And then as Slave One lands, Mando tells Grogu that they have to get out of there. And then at that moment, just perfect timing, uh, Grogu starts doing yoga and turns into the last airbender. And (laughs) (laughs) giant force field around the stone that Mando uh, cannot break through. And through uh, his helmet scanner, he sees somebody exiting Slave One and decides to uh, let Grogu know, I'll see if I can buy you some time, yada, yada, yada. He walks down the hill and uh, is hiding behind a rock, gets you know fired at by a blaster, and then a hooded man approaches Mando, telling him that he's been tracking him for quite some time in a very distinct voice, and uh, Mando asks if the character is a Jedi or if he's after the child, and... Uh, Right then and there, the hood drops. It's Boba Fett, and I was I was ready to ride. I was like, "This is it. Let's go, dude!" I was so excited, and I also want to double back and say I was wrong because I think last episode I said, "Nah, they probably won't have him anymore. He'll just be in his own series." Well, foot and mouth on my part, boys, because Boba Fett more than <laughs> delivered. So I was wrong. No, it was great seeing him. I was very happy. I was like a little. A little, uh, little boy again, seeing his ship fly in, and then seeing him, like hearing that distinct voice. It ten out of ten. I mean, the second he said, "I'm here for the armor," I was like, "Oh, Mando's not going to react very well to that because he has no idea who Boba Fett is. He has no idea the lineage of the uh, the Fett family yet, obviously." And the miscommunication there was right off. It was immediate. Uh, he thought that uh, Boba Fett was talking about his armor, his shiny Beskar brand new armor. And the way Boba Fett shut him down was just like, what? no, I want my armor, bro. Yeah. He, Mando was like, if you want my armor, you're going to have to peel it off my dead body. And, uh, you know, just just hearing Tamara Morrison's voice again was just so, like, fulfilling. Uh, especially that first line where he's like, I've been tracking you for some time, Mandalorian. Like, Hearing his voice was just awesome. Best, best line. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way through the galaxy like my father before me. And we will definitely get into that as well. Um, and Boba Fett clarifies that he's not after Mando's armor, but his armor that he got from Cobb Vanth back on Tatooine, who Tamir Morrison, the way Tatooine is supposed to be pronounced, he he does it. When I heard him say Tatooine, I was like, that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. Nobody else should say it. Tamira Morrison is the only person that can say Tatooine from now on. Yeah. There's a lot of things he said in that episode that it should only be said by him from here on out. Like, <laughs> didn't he Boba Fett? He, I, I can't even pull it off. It, it, he said it so distinctively that it, it should be only him. Dude, he's literally a voice of our a voice of our childhood. So it's just it's yeah. good hearing his voice come back. I mean, for anybody who's listening, there's a good chance he might have played some of the old Star Wars Battlefronts and watched Clone Wars, and he, he's also largely the voice of most like a bunch of bunch of clones and different things. So it's like his voice is so it's so distinct too. So it's like when you hear it, it just just good vibes only. So it's, it's a just, top it's ten great. Star Wars voice. Oh I, yeah, for sure, 110 percent agree with that. Uh, top 10 Star Wars voice in top three Star Wars of the new millennium, I would say. 
like Mandalorian right now is top three Star Wars of of the new era. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Boba Fett says the armor belongs to him. Mando asks if he's Mandalorian, which is a big part of this episode. Um, Boba Fett replies, like Harrison said, that he's just a simple man making his way through the galaxy, just like his father before him. A callback to two iconic lines from the movies where, uh, you know, he's just a simple man making his way through the galaxy, obviously from Attack of the Clones. And then just like his father before him is a callback to Luke Skywalker being a Jedi, just like my father before me. So a nice little combination of lines uh, for Star Wars fans that are, you know, in depth because there are fans of of just the Mandalorian that haven't watched the movies yet um that that would not get that reference but yep. as Star Wars movie fans and just overall fans hearing that line was pretty awesome and I saw a meme uh with Peter Griffin from Family Guy pointing at the screen it was like he said it he said the line <laughs> it's like the way Leonardo DiCaprio uh in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like there it is yeah <laughs> Uh, awesome. So that was an awesome moment in this episode for sure, and that's just a, a John Favreau, Dave Filoni, you know, thing. You're you're gonna get those types of moments uh, throughout these episodes where there's callbacks because they are big Star Wars nerds, just like most of the fans watching the show. Yeah. Uh, when Mando asks if Boba Fett took the Mandalorian creed, Boba Fett replies that he gave his allegiance to no one. Mando replies that the Beskar belongs to the Mandalorians. And that it was looted from them before the Great Purge. Uh, Boba Fett counters that the armor belonged to his father. And that it now belongs to him. Uh, which, Spider-Man meme, he was his father. <laughs> <laughs> True. Technically, it has always belonged to him. Uh, when Mando asks what is to stop him from shooting him down, Boba Fett replies that he has a sharpshooter on the ridge with a locked scope. That will unload by the time his body hits the ground. Mando says uh, that he's wearing the best car and threatens to kill Boba Fett uh, and his companion. And uh, Boba Fett clarifies that his friend is locked onto the child who was on the henge. And then we pan up and we see the sniper. We hear her. And it is Fennec Shand who we thought was dead in yes, season one. Uh, and she says... Uh, to Mando and a reminder I don't miss and uh, they kind of you know talk things down Mando demands that uh, Fennec Shan stands down or he'll shoot them down uh, with his whistling birds and Boba Fett asks Mando and Shan to put their weapons down so that they can enter into a chat uh, chat room vibes and uh, Mando tells Boba Fett that Fennec Shan has to drop the gun. Boba Fett replies after he drops his jetpack, which we'll get into that as well. Uh, Mando and Fennec Shand lower their weapons uh, with the former putting down his jetpack. Fennec Shand remarks that Mando looks like he had just seen a ghost, which is absolutely hilarious because he has a helmet on. <laughs> I kind of want to touch on that real quick, though, without spoiling anything else in the episode. This week, I think, was a masterclass in Pedro Pascal acting without actually seeing his face. Yes. Even when he wasn't talking, you could tell exactly what emotion Mando was feeling. And that is one of the most underrated aspects of the show. Because he's always got that helmet on, but you know exactly what he's looking like underneath that helmet. Agreed. 
Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I, I laughed at that line because it's like, how do you see a ghost? Like, <laughs> he's got a helmet on. <laughs> uh, and then Mando says, uh, you know, you were left for dead. And Boba Fett says that she was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, as was he. So that also confirms back in season one, the foot that we saw step towards Fennec Shand was Boba Fett. So shout out to anybody who had predicted that um, because it, it is true. Boba Fett adds that uh, fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched, which is a nice callback to, you know, just his storyline as well, because everyone thought Boba Fett was dead uh, in the Sarlacc pit and uh, fate rescued him one way or another, which I'm sure we'll figure that out when the Boba Fett alleged uh, quote unquote prequel series comes out. Uh, which we'll get into at the end of this episode as well. Uh, Fennec Shan remarks that Boba Fett was uh, her fate and that she is now in his service, also reveals that she's kind of part droid now because Boba yes. Fett <laughs> saved her by uh, installing like Terminator robot parts into her to make sure that she stayed alive. Yeah, that was a... yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's how she's alive. Cause I was like, how's she alive? And then she was like, whoop. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense now. <laughs> I see. I see. Which I'm so pumped that Fennec Shan is still going to be a part of the Mandalorian and part of Star Wars because her character is so badass. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's, and it's good because, like, if they do a potential Boba Fett thing, she's in another character to have in the show. So it's it's exciting going forward. Listen, just introduce way more bounty hunters. I want all of the bounty hunters in this series. Yeah, dude. One of my favorite scenes from the OG Star Wars is when Darth Vader is like uh, hiring all the bounty hunters, and then the one the one Admiral's like, "Ugh, I wouldn't hire these scum." And it's just like Boba Fett, Bosk, Dengar, and then the assassin droid. It's cool. It's like iconic. There's T-shirts out of that. It's like I I like that kind of stuff. Uh, Boba Fett reiterates his demand for his armor to be returned to him and when Mando objects on the grounds that it goes against the Mandalorian creed uh, Boba Fett replies that the armor was given to his father Jango Fett by his forebears uh, in exchange for the return of his armor Boba Fett promises to guarantee the safety of the child as well as his own Fennec Shand adds that the bounty on the child has risen significantly to the equivalent of 10 suits uh, Boba Fett says that they are offering a fair deal given the circumstances. Um, that's a lot of money. So that's yeah. a, a whole lot of money. That's a whole lot of Beskar. Uh, he almost died for his armor by those squid people on the one planet. So that was just for one suit of armor. Imagine 10. And we've seen just the, the value of Beskar throughout this season alone. So to have 10 suits of Beskar would be absolutely bonkers. In the, I mean, in the first the first scene, the uh, of the whole series or the season, I should say, we see uh, what that one eyed dude uh, at the fight try to kill Mando for his Beskar armor, kind of setting the tone for the entire season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I love that on the uh, the Star Wars fandom site, <laughs> the the next scene is titled imperial entanglement shout out to will smith um so as that all kind of clears up uh a third starship circles nearby and uh three scatter mando runs back to grogu 
who's immersed in the force field, just living his best life, doing some yoga, clearing out his mind, and uh, only thinking about fine dining and breathing. And um, (laughs) Mando tries to force his way inside the force field, but is thrown back by the bubble. Meanwhile, Boba Fett and Fennec Shan take up position in a rock near the shuttle. Several stormtroopers emerge from the shuttle and come under fire from Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, who manage to shoot down a few as the stormtrooper commander orders his men to disperse. Boba Fett signals for Fennec Shand to split up uh, with him. I don't know about you guys, but going back and kind of looking, watching the episode again, the way that those stormtroopers left that ship was very uh, Episode 7-esque in the movies. Oh, like the way they like pot like 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 legit pot out of the ship. You're yeah. saying, and the way oh, like yeah, the yeah. ship like just like lowered itself and how they all just kind of dispersed out. It was very episode seven esque. Yeah, they're they're mad aggressive with it. That stormtrooper commander was not very good, uh, but <laughs> fortunately so for our protagonist. But no, it it was interesting because it's funny you brought it up because I was I, I was I made note to bring it up that I still feel like it's not super close. Because I feel like in the newer ones, the First Order troopers are a little more competent than what we saw with yeah. the Emperors. So these stormtroopers, to me, were kind of a mix. I greatly or mostly got the incompetent vibe because they just were cannon fodder. But then again, they also had to go up against three badasses. So, I, you know what I mean? I'm not sure. But largely, I thought they were useless per usual. <laughs> I, this is... I think the episode that has tarnished the Stormtrooper legacy the most out of any episode out of the Mandalorian. So yes, far, yes, I agree. The, the, the dirt poor legacy that Stormtroopers have anyway, it made it even worse. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but I got major, like, is that a Sand Trooper? Like, the commander, he had that, like, red shoulder guard, which is, like, we've seen that before on Sand Trooper, so it's like, is he in the right spot? Like... Is he supposed to be in Tatooine? Like, I don't think he's supposed to be here. This isn't sand. <laughs> um, he, got, he, he got in the wrong ship. He was like, oh, man. He's like, come so, you know, on. He knew that, uh, Boba, he knew that the, the Tatooine man was there, so he had to go uh, <laughs> check up on me. And then Fourth time this week. The, the other new kind of stormtrooper look we saw was the one with, like, the yellow markings on it. Oh, it was, that was, it was like, it was, brand new. It was new. a mortarman. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was the Star Wars way of showing us that they distinguish for people who do mortars because that's what it was, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, I had a couple of buddies do that in real life, and they were happy to see that. Um, so hiding behind the rocks, Fennec Shand attacks a flank of the troopers. The stormtrooper commander orders for his remaining men to approach from a different direction. Uh, however, Boba Fett is waiting and attacks the stormtrooper with. Uh, just the most badass sequence of events we have seen. And Dude, uh, he that uses that Gatterfill stick like it was meant to be used. I know why Tusken Raiders carry those bad boys around now. God damn! <laughs> that was the most violent scene I think I've seen in any form of Star Wars ever. Dude, it's because they were getting smashed, man. Their armor was cracking. I've never seen... Stormtrooper's armor break like that. Yeah, they got they got yeeted. That just proved that Stormtrooper armor is plastic. Yes, it it, it is basically. <laughs> um, someone someone wrote this a while ago about their armor, and I think they confirmed it as canon because it kind of, I guess at one point they had a bunch of the extras and they moved like when they're supposed to be dead, and they were like, "Shit, uh, we got to like have a reason for this." Kind of like you know the purple lightsaber; they had to do a whole lore with that. 
So basically, this stormtrooper armor is supposed to like when you get shot, it's supposed to like dispense the the laser, like the 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 shock, kind of like a bulletproof vest, like throughout your body. That's why if you watch scenes like when they were attacking the fortress two episodes ago, some of them twitch after mm-hmm. they get shot. Like they get shot, they lay on the ground, they kind of twitch because they're not actually dead. That, right. That's the whole lore behind it. Like they don't they don't always die from being shot, which is pretty fucking screw. It's pretty hilarious when you think about it. So like all the guys who get shot aren't actually dead half the time. So they're just laying there on Death Star and blew up like ah oh, shit. But um anyway, Imagine so waking up yeah. right in time <laughs> so, with the Death Star exploding. So my point is, they might have recently revoked that, but that was canon for a long time, and it was canon for the new and newer ones, I believe. So, but any, anywho, so my point is like. Their armor is capable of doing that, and like to your point, we're seeing that this weapon is able to literally just shatter their armor yeah. and like stab them. It's nuts. So Boba awesome. Fett just goes into like full Barry Bonds, smacking steroid, juiced up home runs onto these stormtroopers, and uh, you know he's he's ambushing them with this Gatterfill stick and uh, knocking several of them to the ground. And as a wounded soldier kneels in pain, Fett whacks him across the head, and we see Stormtrooper Helmet fly. Like, I was imagining this episode being in 3D and having to wear 3D glasses <laughs> and just having Stormtrooper Helmet pieces fly in your face while watching the episode would have been absolutely remarkable. Uh, That's more st- Robert Rodriguez classic, though. Yes, He's this, this was the moment when you knew that Robert Rodriguez was directing this episode. Oh, for sure. I was waiting for Machete to come out. <laughs> Boba Fett's face during that entire sequence, yes. though, the scarring just made it look even more terrifying. It was just intensity personified. Uh, more stormtroopers exit the shuttle, but Fennec Shan takes them out. Several of the stormtroopers set up uh, a mortar device manned by an Imperial Mortar Stormtrooper who we talked about, um, and an E-Web heavy repeating blaster cannon, which we've seen uh, in Season 1, in the season finale. Uh, and one of the Stormtroopers strafes the ridge that Fennec Shand is on with a blaster fire, forcing her to dodge their blasts and take cover. She's running, like, tiptoeing in her Jordans, and uh, <laughs> she's hiding behind a rock, but one of the, the Stormtroopers hits it, kind of wedges it loose and then she clearly does not skip leg day because she kicked a giant ass boulder down and this was one of the most incredible scenes where it's just a indiana jones style the boulders rolling down and just like (laughs) knocking these stormtroopers out and like harrison said to to just add to the stupidity of stormtroopers how that one that was on the blaster cannon thought he could just shoot that boulder down and live absolutely asinine behavior it was literally the scene from awesome powers where the guy sits there and gets run over by the steamroller <laughs> like just scream like come on man just run out of the way just <laughs> like you can get another one of those cannons but you're gonna die because he tried shooting it he was like i know i know how i'll break the rock i'll shoot it with my with my turret nah it's, you. Oh, it's coming really fast at me maybe it's just keep firing i i guess they don't it probably wasn't standard training uh, Sarge, what do I do if a giant boulder tries to smush me? Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't cover that in Stormtrooper Basics, I, I, I guess. I don't know. What do they cover in Stormtrooper? How to miss. How to get shot and how to scream. How to miss. All right, Privates, we're going to shoot two feet of the uh, target. All right, good. You pass. With their CB radio uh, speakers on their Yes, that, that's kind of, kind of a good point. The, 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 90% of the training is just Come on, blast them. 
just learning how to talk on their radios. That they're they're all actually engineers and know how to talk on their little headsets. Absolutely incredible. I'm kind of- also, I kind of want now a crossover between Indiana Jones and Star Wars, little two Lucasfilms uh, properties. That that boulder right there. I need some kind of like uh, I don't know, time warp kind of thing where Indiana sure. Jones winds up in the Star Wars universe. I'm sure it's gonna end up on the internet somewhere. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure if you give it time, someone's gonna edit. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we might be able to do it. Uh, yeah. So Boba Fett himself ambushes the commander uh, with the the Gladderfill stick, uh, knocking him to the ground, fighting his men. He then stabs the commander through his chest armor with the sharp end of the stick, which might be the most morbid and gory thing we've seen in Star Wars ever. He did. Yeah. There was the blood on Finn's helmet in episode seven. Anakin yeah. burning in lava. Yeah. But even that wasn't that gory. That was just... It was Anakin. You know? it he deserved it. <laughs> it was Hayden Christensen. It was Hayden Christensen, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hate sand. And then Boba Fett kind of turns, sees the Razor Crest nearby with the door open and kind of, you know, we kind of get an inkling of what's about <laughs> to go down, yeah. uh, which is incredible. Meanwhile, Fennec Shan flees from several pursuing stormtroopers by navigating... Uh, you know, through the rocks, taking down several of her pursuers. Shortly later, a second Imperial shuttle lands in the clearing between the Razor Crest and the first shuttle. While Shan fights the stormtroopers, Mando gets to his seat and uh, watches the child meditate through the force. As more stormtroopers arrive, he tries to break through that force field again, which is absolutely hilarious that it's a force field to a T. Um, yeah. Gets pushed back again. Mando decides to protect the child and heads down to face the stormtroopers. And again, the perfect timing of all of this episode. Uh, Just as Mando leaves, the child stops summoning the force field, falls asleep due to exhaustion. (laughs) It's all zonked out. He's like Pichu and Super Smash Brothers. And uh, several stormtroopers close in on Fennec Shan, but she takes them out with her blaster. However, she's outnumbered, and then, like we've seen throughout this season, Mando arrives just in time, pops on down, uses his whistling birds to take out several stormtroopers, which I think is just badass that like he can kind of command where those shots go. Um, yeah, it's Yondu's arrow. From yes. I was just going to say that, dude. That's nuts, but yeah, I agree. Uh, he and Fennec Shan join forces to fight the stormtroopers. Mando offers Shan to make amends for the last time. Uh, if they got out of here alive, she accepts. And uh, she accepts the offer and the two fight against the advancing stormtroopers. And as this fight wages on, Boba Fett arrives in his reclaimed armor and jetpack. And in a new look of Boba Fett, where I thought this was really cool, too, that they let Tamira Morrison have a 59-year-old body instead of getting in shape and having to put on the armor. He still has the, the robe. <laughs> Dad Boba Fett, dude. Let's go. Come on. Dad Boba Fett. And uh, that, honestly, right then and there, when life gets back to normal post-coronavirus, might be the most cosplayed outfit ever is yeah. Mandalorian Boba Fett. Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar like, uh, to fat similar to Fat Thor. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's <laughs> on the same wavelength today with yeah. Avengers stuff. 
Um, uh, so no, Boba Fett coming in. That what we've had so many badass moments this season of characters returning and just kicking ass. But I don't think anybody's kicked ass quite in the way of Boba Fett. Ahsoka did it gracefully. Uh, the teamwork of Bo-Katan and her Night Owls was just on point. But the brutality and the sheer aggressiveness of Boba Fett was unmatched by anybody else in this entire series. Well, yeah, he had, he had a lot of time to let his feelings, you know, build up as he was inside a belly of a of a monster in a, in a hole. So yeah, of course he's gonna. He's be inside the the Star Wars equivalent of Moby Dick. Hey, Shan just... and Mando literally had to do nothing during hey, when dude, Boba Fett returned. The three characters that we know that survived when when they probably shouldn't have, like being Darth Maul, Boba Fett, and Emperor Palpatine. Uh, granted, Emperor probably cloned himself, so he's kind of out of exclusion. But the other two, may uh. Darth Maul only stayed alive because he was literally so angry that his his anger. So I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised. And Boba Fett's like, yeah, part of the reason why I stayed alive is I just thought about killing Mace Windu. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, and that opens the door to bring him back later because he's not dead. Boom. We haven't seen a body. Boom. We're playing 40 chess out here. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. He, he reclaims his armor and his jetpack, uses a grenade to take out and disorient more stormtroopers. He takes down several with his blaster and hand-to-hand combat. with the, the blaster usage was just so phenomenal. Like, the crossing of his hands, the quickness of it, it was so badass. Uh, the way that in, in like, 29, 30 minutes... Robert Rodriguez, John Favreau, and Dave Filoni made Boba Fett the badass character Star Wars fans have been clamoring for for four movies. Yeah, because the old like, ones did no justice to him. They were like, "Here, there's this cool bounty hunter for two minutes. Oh, he's dead." He was a total pansy for four <laughs> mainstream movies. And then what? One episode with a Star Wars nerd as at the at the forefront of making sure it happens, and Robert like Rodriguez, director, and Robert Rodriguez, and it's just it's it's the perfect scene that that punch where where he punched the stormtrooper and literally made him take off with the grenade little jetpack thing. Oh, it was amazing! Oh, that was sweet. That was so cool. And the knee gun. The knee gun, which is a nice little yeah. Easter egg as well. That was cool. Because I did some research on that. And in the uh, illustrated encyclopedia for Star Wars, there is a breakdown of Boba Fett's armor. And in that encyclopedia, he's supposed to have a knee cannon. So that is just really? in-depth research and job well done by Favreau, Filoni, and Robert Rodriguez to include that because that was in the illustrated encyclopedia for Star Wars and for Boba Fett. I'm pretty sure Favreau and Filoni's main purpose on Earth is to bring Star Wars legends into actual canon. Absolutely. That's what, that's, that's what it feels like at this point. They're just like saying, you know what? All that stuff that our company Disney bought out earlier and didn't make canon, ha, it's going to be real now. <laughs> uh, and he takes out you know several with the blaster in hand-to-hand combat. The remaining stormtroopers retreat aboard their ships, which depart into the sky. And after scanning the ships with his helmet scanner, Boba Fett does the thing that we saw Timothy Oliphant do in the first episode of this season and uh, pays homage to the famous Boba Fett toy 
and launches that rocket out of his jetpack. So cool. Hits one of the ships, and the way it's hit causes it to collide with the other ship, and then both explode into flames and crash. Boom goes the dynamite. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, again, going back to the knee cannon, just the way the stormtroopers retreated on sight after they saw him take out they a couple of their step friends. and was like, oh shit. <laughs> Dude, that was it was it was like the the thing with with the with the Mandalorian is they're doing fan service the right way. It's not forced yeah. down your throat. It's not like <laughs> forced. To, yeah, I was, well, and the Force Awakens is also one of the new movies, but mm-hmm. you know, just a full so but, but those were forced forced fan services in my opinion, regardless of how you feel about the movies. Like like the whole like how the fact that they tried doing the whole changing director aspect as well, but it backfired, and then they got. It's different with the movie. You can't really do that all the time because then the vision changes, and then they had to save face and hire. I'm blanking on his name for the last one. The famous director was it J.J. Abrams again, or was it somebody else? Abrams. Yeah, he was yeah. like the poor guy was like back against the wall, and he was like, "Shit, uh, uh, the Emperor's still alive. Don't hate me. All right, let's go." And then they rolled with that. It's just like. One of you guys brought up last episode, there's a bunch of legends and lore about that, how, like, um, you know, he, and, like, the legends and stuff, that, like, he had a, a plan to clone himself, and he had clones, like, stowed away because the dude was mad, crazy, and old, and evil, but, like, we didn't get any of that. It was, like, evil, boom. So, the point is, like, I, I'm just, The Mandalorian has done so well, and that's that's the best part for me. Like, we got Boba Fett, but it wasn't, like, forced. And we got mm-hmm. him how we wanted to see, like Kyle said a couple minutes ago, and it's just, it's, I cannot... Like, like it just put put into words about how nice it is to see something that's not that's not forced. And you've and always been a big Boba Fett fan. Yes, I have. I, I I believe I counted. I'm sure it's out there. Homeboy only had like five sentences in the original movies. <laughs> like like this was the moment that you've been waiting for. You know, yes. the people on this podcast. Dylan has been the biggest Boba Fett fan since the day he and I have started talking about Star Wars. He has always like Fett. been a fan of Boba Fett and has waited for this moment. Yeah, and Clone Wars does a good job because you, you, you get to see a young child version of him still kick ass. And um, see his uh, backstory even more. Yes, yes, and see how see where his morals aligned, and it's I, that's something I'll talk about at the end of this. I'm I'm questionable to see where his morals are now after being in a hole for so long and saving people's lives on Tatooine. Maybe he's changed. I don't know. We'll find out. I think his alliances, as he stated earlier in the episode, I think it's still with him and those he keeps in his inner circle. Yeah, and that's true. Going forward, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to say this until after the recap because it's yeah. Very going forward, I can I, I think we're gonna be seeing a lot more great stuff out of both Agreed. Um, and then. Mando compliments Boba Fett for, you know, his sharpshooting, and Boba Fett, very humorous guy, says he was aiming for the other ship on the <laughs> shot, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then at that moment, this is where, I don't know about you guys, but this was the first time that I, like, had the connection to the title of the episode. Um, so as that happens, a laser blasts from orbit and strikes the Razor oh. Crest, incinerating mando's ship into just a ball of flames uh that was the first time that i clicked with oh shit like the tragedy yeah because his ship gone gone there's no there's no honda civic like uh, the magic like you can't there's no duct tape for this bad boy but like it's dead (laughs) 
you can't like have you can't get some calamari to uh yeah like put their like their... netting on there and like whip your way back to Navarro this time no it's in there. Gone. yeah no dude it's gone, gone. he's gonna like, bring some of those parts and be like hey can you fix this and the mon calamari is just gonna be like eh, give me a week <laughs> <laughs> well the and the worst part is like now this opens up and it's not spoilery because anybody who watched the episode is probably thinking like is he going to get a new ship? Is he going to f- happen to like do plot armor and they're going to find one just like it? Is maybe he's going to get slave one? Could Bo- Boba Fett's going to like want to be I, start? I don't know. Like I, I don't. Who knows? I, like I, I could see him getting like a kind of version of slave one. Not I think they yeah, would no, I save slave one for the Boba Fett show. But maybe if they get like another because that's a. Is that like a bounty? That's a bounty hunting ship, right? Mm-hmm. Slave one. It's not like a Mandalorian ship. It's yeah, a bounty hunting. Bounty ship. hunting. Yeah. He, or he personal Mandalorian style ship. That would also be amazing. Deck that in Beskar. Yeah. What if he just? What if he just gets enough Beskar to build a whole ship out of Beskar? <laughs> <laughs> Beskar on Beskar. Whole series is going. He's, on he's Beskar. Beskar ship. That is the end game. We we are building a Beskar ship. Uh, Fennec Shand tells Boba Fett that he better get to his ship and Boba Fett rockets off. Uh, Mando watches the burning wreckage of his ship in sadness before scanning the skies and spotting a light cruiser. Mando realizes that the Imperials are on Tython and they're here for the child. Um, so aboard the, the cruiser, uh, the officer who we saw a couple episodes ago informs Moff Gideon that it was a direct hit. A please Gideon asks if the Dark Troopers, first time we've actually heard the name Dark Troopers, uh, have been engaged. Uh, The female Imperial comms officer replies momentarily, and uh, the light cruiser dispatches four armored Dark Troopers who descend onto the magic rock and its rocky surroundings. Mando, Boba Fett, and Fennec Shan run up, but the droids beat them to it, and, you know, in that moment, too, we we see Boba Fett going up, and he's ready to kind of go see what the hell's going on. But your first thoughts on the Dark Troopers, because they look fucking badass. They took the human error aspect of Stormtroopers, who, like, miss the side of, miss everything, can't hit the side of a barn from, like, two feet away, and just got rid of it. Those things were efficiency personified, terrifying to look at. They were ex- 100% what people wanted out of Dark Troopers coming into a live action series. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Because the only Stormtroopers that uh, that I've seen that look efficient are the ones in Rogue One. What are the, the Death Troopers? Mm-hmm. The ones that like mow down the family. <laughs> and they're in that foot longer. But so besides that, you're right. I mean, we just saw the episode. They literally stood there and got yeeted by a giant rock. So... Why go with this when you can have a scary robot trooper that literally has a jetpack on it? Yeah, and these were the phase one uh, dark yeah, troopers. Yeah, it's a test run, bro. <laughs> Gideon was literally like, ah, test one. <laughs> like, it worked. <laughs> and uh, they just des- they descend upon, you know, the, the peak of uh, the seeing rock, and this is when you're like, oh, shit. Like... No, like you're like no, god damn it, wake up, because Gro- Grogu's still kind of passed out at this point. 
comes to his senses, and at that point, pop, boom, one of them snatches Grogu. They beam up like their Team Rocket, and uh, they just got Pikachu, and uh, they go back to the ship. Fennec Shan tells Boba Fett, who's flying the Slave One, that the Imperials have gotten the, quote, baby, and not to uh, let them get away. And Mando tells Fennec, I don't want the child to be hurt, so tell him to stand down. So he doesn't do that. Boba Fett uh, decides to do a loose follow and see where the dark troopers are headed. He wasn't uh, that loose, dude. He was like so close. He was so close. Yeah. Uh, he follows the dark troopers into the upper atmosphere of Tython, sighting the orbiting light cruiser. Boba Fett utters, they're back. I got serious uh, Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, uh, Cornelius Fudge. He's back kind of vibes from that that line too just the shock of it terror in his voice too because yeah. he worked with the empire but only because they were paying him as a bounty hunter he was probably terrified of them mm-hmm. yeah he didn't i think from what i when i read some of the books he didn't like the empire like you're saying he actually weirdly enough liked darth vader and darth vader liked him because boba would literally kill anybody and like get you know like do it so Darth Vader was like, this guy's freaking awesome. Like, I messed up. Can you go do this for like $10? And he's like, sure, dude. And then they had kind of, not like a bromance, but kind of like, you know, a little more than a, um, a partnership. But no, in terms of like the Emperor. Yeah, in terms of the Emperor and what he stood for, no. Like he's, and I think he's probably, the way I took it as, he's probably not happy to see them because his last mission was the, you know, for the Empire. Mm-hmm. And he kind of sort of got swallowed by, a, you know, like a squid-type monster in the sand. So, like, homie probably has a grudge. Yes. You know, 10 years maybe in a, a stomach getting digested. Yeah, I don't think he's very happy to see the Empire yeah. back. I don't, I'm not sure he'll take contracts yeah, in I'm not sure he'll take contracts on that with them again. If anything, I think he might go just kill some Empire people just for the fun of it. Yes, yeah, so Fennec Shand is shocked uh, when Boba Fett says the Empire is back, believing that the Outer Rim is under the current jurisdiction of the New Republic. Boba Fett yeah, responds... Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Boba Fett responds that this is not a, quote, spice dream, which is also pretty... Uh, callback-esque because we all know that before he was bounty hunting uh, Han Solo was a a spice runner Um, and because he's seeing the Imperial cruiser with his own eyes Boba Fett decides to head back while the Imperial cruiser jumps into hyperspace. Mando surveys uh, the pit where the Razor Crest once was and uh, this part also was pretty interesting to me. While he's digging through you know the dirt and everything he finds the joystick ball that Grogu always plays with, and he places it in his pocket. For that thing to survive, that thing has to be made of Beskar. It has to. That thing is definitely Beskar. Yeah. Um, I agree. That was the first thing that popped in my head when I realized that, because I was like, and we'll get into another reason why I thought it happened, and, you know, Fennec Shan stands, uh, you know, off to the side, pretty silent, while Mando... uh, also digs up the staff that he got uh, from Ahsoka in the last episode, and for that to have survived, I was like, okay, the ball has to be Beskar if the staff survived. Again, it's another masterclass in acting without saying anything, without your face being shown, but you know exactly what the character is feeling. Yeah, he's kind of science. His shoulders were slumped. 
hands down by his side, not moving, standing still, head down. Just the personification of sadness without, you know, any emotions being shown. Oh, dude, it was, yeah, it was great. It's a, it's a great way to put it. And I, for a second, forgot he had the staff. And from my, I was like, why is Homeboy just shifting in the sand? He's mad. He's mad sad. He's like, no, no, I can fix it. <laughs> uh, so he approaches Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, telling him that this is all that survived. And I think this scene, too, you know, this entire episode, we've seen the most emotion we've seen from Mando the entire series, you know, la- from laughing. Uh, with Grogu on the Razor Crest at the beginning of the episode, to you know trusting people who he once you know went head to head with, and and coming to trust with more you know stranger esque characters who he hasn't met before, to now the the emotion of sadness. Um, this is the most emotion we've seen from Mando this entire series. Um, this is all leading, I think, to Episode Eight at the end of the season. Him taking off his helmet. Finally, yeah. I want to see that handsome man. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Boba Fett shows Mando a hologram of his chain code, which has been encoded in his armor for twenty-five years. Written in Mando a script, the chain code contains his family lineage, revealing foundling, mentor Jaced, father Fett, and Boba Fett, along with conquered Dawn and other words. Mando realized that Jango Fett uh, was a foundling, and Boba Fett confirms this is the case and adds that Jango Fett even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Recognizing Fett and his father as Mandalorians, uh, Mando allows Boba Fett to keep his armor. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't he? It's like, <laughs> it's his. Yeah, it's cool. Like, he's not going to take it. Um, yeah. This is pretty interesting, though, because it confirms that Jango Fett was a foundling, just like Mando is, and confirms that, you know, at least Jango was, because we don't know if Boba Fett took the creed or not, um, that Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. Could Jango be a part of Death Watch? Like, It's possible, and I know... I know a lot of people talked about in the Clone Wars where there was somebody who talked to Obi-Wan. He had a long neck. I'm blanking on his name, but said that Jango was not a Mandalorian. But a lot of people say that that guy is just a known liar and would just kind of like be lip service to whomever, you know, he was working for at the time. So this just confirms that Jango was a Mandalorian, which I think is amazing. I agree. Um, and you know, and by lineage, it, that makes Boba Fett a Mandalorian. He's not just a bounty hunter. Anymore, yes and no, because the Mandalorian not, isn't a species; a it's a creed. It's a you know way of life. So we have to. We don't know if if Boba Fett took the creed or not. All the clones are Mandalorians? Question mark. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I mean, this could also. I, I have a theory that I, you know, am going to get into at the end of the episode too with, with Boba. Um, but Boba Fett pleased, uh, with the return of his armor, Mando thinks that their deal is complete, but Boba Fett says not quite because, uh, he and Fennec Sham promised to guarantee the safety of the child in exchange for the armor's return. And since Grogu has been kidnapped, Boba Fett says that he and Shand are in Mando's debt until the safe return of Grogu. And this was my first, like, 
yes, let's go. We're going into Avengers mode. We're building a team. And uh, this is essentially like adjacent to Mando now having a ship because he's going to be able to, you know, ride around on Slave One. Yeah. And this is why I think I qualified Boba Fett as Mandalorian. He, even if he has a certain Mandalorian, he upholds it without realizing it. Because he's upholding his end of the bargain on honor alone. He got what he deserved. He's not flaking out. He is doing the Mandalorian thing and seeing the steel through to the end. And while he may not have taken the creed, he is Mandalorian by proxy. Yeah. Dude, I mean, Boba Fett may not be the best guy. He may have killed a couple people, but he's not your typical sellsword. Like, if he says he's going to do it, he's nine out of ten times he's going to do it, and he's not going to turn turn on your side. So that's why I like the character. Like, I always liked him because it's just cool seeing someone that is (laughs) – questionable persuasion yes but is is still noble like while upholding um his his bounty hunting ways which is ironic because the whole art of like bounty hunting the mercenaries you think they're cutthroat and would always just sell for the higher price but you know boba says he's gonna do it he's gonna do it so uh the trio travel on slave one back to navarro uh and there mando learns that caradun has become the marshal of the new republic saying that he had heard uh, rumors that she had gone, quote, legit. Uh, He tells her that he needs her help to locate someone on the New Republic prison registry. And uh, Cara Dune consults her computer. I don't know if you guys picked up on this or not, but while uh, faces are filing through, did you notice that uh, a couple of the ones that she, like, stops on were like the the bounty hunters from the second episode that kind of tripped up Mando in the desert. No, I didn't see that. Really? Yeah. So the first one that they paused on was um, the dude with the spikes on his face and everything, and then we had the – it it was the crew that, you know, set up the the wire tap and the, the line wire to, you know, trip up Mando while he was on his speeder. So that shows that they went to prison, which I thought was a nice little addition oh. as well. Um, no, except for the guy that uh, he jet-packed into oblivion. Yeah. there yeah, was. Uh, he didn't deserve it. There was also rumors about the one – there was one prisoner on the, the registry that had, like, a, a pretty large beard. There's rumors that he's a potential, you know, hidden Easter egg in this. I'm not – I'm blanking on who it was. I'll have to go back and – uh, figure that out and bring it up on the next episode. But that was also Rex another a, Easter egg. What was that? Rex had a beard and Rebels. I'm just saying. Huh. I don't. Uh? I I forget who they said it was, but it was somebody that was like kind of a, you know, a big time Easter egg potential. Um, but they bring up that Mando's looking for a former Imperial sharpshooter. Named Miggs Mayfield, aka Bill Burr. Bill Burr, Bill Burr, Star Wars again. Which this is this is awesome, right here. This is awesome because Bill Burr had said that he wasn't going to be in this episode or this season of The Mandalorian initially, and now that we're in the the portion of the season where there's no trailers to reveal, it kind of makes sense that Bill Burr was you know just waiting in the wings and. I am so happy that Bill Burr's character is back and going to be part of the A-Team 
uh, that they're assembling to go and, and get Grogu back. I think it's just absolute gold that we're going to get he's Bill like, Burr again. He's the, the series equivalent to Han Solo. Why is Cracking just in it for himself? Like, it's just perfect. The And the comedic aspect of this character is just on point. Yeah, and maybe he'll actually do something um, heroic and not think for himself, or he'll be typical and think for himself and probably die. So either way, either way, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see Bill Burr do something cool. Uh, Cara Dune finds that Mayfield is serving a 50-year sentence in the Carthon Chop Fields for springing a prisoner himself and being an accessory to the death of a New Republic officer. Uh, Cara Dune surmises that Mayfield is a piece of work and asks Mando, uh, you know, why do you need this guy? And Mando explains that he needs his help locating Moff Gideon's light cruiser. Uh, Cara Dune is sympathetic to Mando's plight but says that she needs to follow rules as a marshal of the New Republic. And then Mando drops the line, the Imperials have the kid. And that's when Cara Dune kind of just, like, gets flush and is like, oh, shit, like, all right, let's let's move. Because, like, you know, she know, you know how she feels about the Empire. They blew up her home planet. And, uh, yeah. you know, did, did she lose it? Guys, do you, for the kid. Do, do you know if she lost anyone? <laughs> uh, you know, no. just about uh, everybody. <laughs> No, her family happened to be on vacation that day. <laughs> they were just on oh, they Hoth. Were just, uh, they were vacationing on Ew, Kyle, why Hoth? They were <laughs> skiing on vacation. Hoth. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> family ski trip. Until they get eaten by the, the uh, never grab loops. <laughs> uh, so then, while Moff Gideon's light cruiser travels through hyperspace, which that blue coloring of hyperspace is just so aesthetically pleasing... Um, Moff Gideon exits the bridge and walks down a corridor flanked by a pair of stormtroopers. Uh, and we hear some like screaming going on subtly in the background. And then he enters a cell where we see Grogu using his force powers to throw two stormtroopers around like rag dolls. And at first I was like, all right, this is pretty, pretty freaking cool. Like Grogu is just like going to town on these dudes, but it's also one of those things where you, when you look back at it, it's like, damn, like he's, you know, he's got this built up anger and he's using yeah. it against these, uh, these stormtroopers. homie can force choke, which is a new development. Um, and then kind of just, you know, slams the two of them together, bashes their heads together like they're the Three Stooges. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting wrecked, dude. And then Grogu passes out. Um, and that was like one of the moments where it's like, okay, this is kind of the anger that Ahsoka sensed in Grogu. This is the fear. And he's taking it out on these stormtroopers. Yeah. It also yeah. gave you an idea of how... Um, evil Gideon is because the troopers behind him were like sir should we stop this and he's like no 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 wait let's just, let's just see let's just see how it plays out as their comrades are getting like choked and ragdolled into each other he's just like no 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 it's okay guys we'll get really tuckered out after this they're probably almost dead but they'll be okay and um you know also um force choking I did research on it is not exclusively a dark side thing it's just it has been used I mean Luke used it when he uh, went to Jabba on the guards. So, mm -hmm. and, and Luke's a good example of someone who's not on the dark side. Um, so, I think it's just something that the dark side uses more often. So, but but I will agree with you, Kyle. His anger is an issue. Not that we've ever seen anger lead anything bad. Come on, no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, that actually leads me to an end game theory I have that Grogu is going to be neither Jedi nor Sith, but a force wielding Mandalorian. I'm okay with this sentiment. Uh, Kyle's truck. Look at him. He's thinking. I have a theory on Grogu that I'll I'll get into once we wrap up the the main storyline here. So, uh, as the stormtroopers crawl out of the door, a pleased yeah. Moff Gideon compliments Grogu for his display of force powers, uh, but says it makes him oh so sleepy. And just yeah, the way he delivered that line was like, "You evil son of a bitch." It's a good. He's a good actor. It's uh, he reminded who's his character in Breaking Bad? Oh, uh, oh, I forget his yeah. name. Breaking Bad. Down, but he reminded me like just the ter- the terrifying persona, the intensity he brings to uh, this character reminds me a lot of uh, Gus. Gus Fring. Yes. So then uh, Moff Gideon shows Grogu the Darksaber, which is our first kind of like up-close-and-personal look at this thing in live action. and I want one. It looks so yes. cool. It looks so cool. Um, All lightsabers should be colored the way the Darksaber is from here on out. It's it is amazing. Uh, and Grogu's kind of like reaching out to the Darksaber a bit, and Gideon says that he's not ready to wield this weapon yet. Um puts it away, disarms it, and uh, he tells the child that he could do uh, he could do some, some good with a nice long sleep before a stormtrooper uses the stun feature on a blaster, which we haven't <sighs> seen since the original movies. You didn't have to do them like that. Um, yeah. Which I thought that was like the way that the stun feature on a blaster should be used. It was It was really cool to see that for the first time since I think it was A New Hope was the last time we saw it in live action. I think so too because we saw it in Clone in Wars. Prequels, there was really no situation in which they would be shooting to stun. They were shooting at droids and they were shooting at clones. Right. And we saw it in in Clone Wars, I believe, or in Rebels. Yes. Um Both. but this is the first time since A New Hope, it, I think. It doesn't it happen used. often though. But okay, I thought it was it was perfectly times. executed. Nice little ring of uh of stun to uh put Grogu to sleep. They put him in Shackles, which is the smallest handcuffs known to man. Oh my god, dude, yes. And it's just, you know, <laughs> they uh, they just had those in hand. It's like, yeah, we need those shackles. All right, I got them, boss. I got them right here. I, I carry them. I keep that motherfucking thing on me. Um, <laughs> he then tells the female comms officer that as soon as uh, they exit hyperspace to send an encrypted message to Dr. Pershing, and tell him they have gotten their donor. As the Imperials leave the cell, a stormtrooper applies a pair of the electric shackles to Grogu's body, and then we fade to black. Boom. Crazy. Overall thoughts on the the entirety of how this episode was executed? I loved it. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. We already, like, I mean, it sets up for them going to have a secret badass, like, rescue ops. I'm, I'm all for that. The episode took a completely... It was like a complete sharp right turn from where I thought it was going before before Friday. And honestly, I couldn't be happier with it. The past... Ever since episode three, I'd say. Three, episode four, two. five, and six. Episode I, two was like the one iffy episode. But since two happened, like three, four, five, yeah. six, like you said, have been 
nine out of ten, ten out of ten, just like bangers. quality. Yeah, bangers. So overall in this episode, seeing Grogu kind of reach for the Darksaber and kind of having what seemed like a semblance of knowing what that thing is, uh, Grogu's going to have a lightsaber at some point. Yes, guaranteed. Dude, I can't wait. It's gonna... This cuts back to my theory about him being a Mandalorian, though, because only a... the, the Darksaber is the weapon of the Mandalorians. And if he's a force-wielding Mandalorian... He gets the dark saber, and he also gets the force. Well, maybe he'll still do that. Like you got to think, his dad—I was <laughs> calling him his dad now because that's what he is—has yeah. the dad Jaren. He has. He found the spear. The only reason he got that, in my opinion, is so he can fight against the dark saber. Because why else would he have a spear at Baskar? Like it's cool, it's badass. You could probably stab somebody with it, but it's best suited against someone with a lightsaber or a dark saber. So I think his dad's Gideon with it and then help Grogu train using that. Yeah, and I think maybe maybe we'll see Ahsoka or another Jedi or someone or someone besides um Pedro and they'll say like, "Hey, maybe you should like give the child the dark saber." Cuz like I don't know, we'll see cuz then again, it also depends because if what's her face comes back and her oh, whole goal is to get the dark saber, so that may cause rifts in between them. But if he gets his own lightsaber, he might also just use that ball to melt it down as his hilt. Oh. That's a good yeah. call. That's, that's a very good call. Best guard lightsaber hilt would be pretty sick. I thought this episode was sensational. Like, I know a lot of people had issue with the jetpack, which we still don't know where that's at because when they were on Navarro. I'm, I'm sure he grabbed it. When they were on Navarro, it was not on his back. The jetpack was still, you know, MIA. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. When I went back and watched it a second time. What's that? Maybe he left it on Slave 1. I mean, just going to grab Cara Dune. Yeah, there's potential. But when he was talking to Cara Dune, the the jetpack was not on his back, um, which was interesting. Um, But overall, I thought this episode, it brought in so many elements, and it was... this episode, episode seven and eight, are the episodes where we're gonna have no clue what goes on until we actually watch the episodes. Nope, can't wait, dude. I've got no clue what's going on. Like, I don't even have theories anymore. I'm just in the dark, and I couldn't be happier. We have to assume that episode seven and eight of this season are going to be like a part one, part two, like it was last season, right? Like. They yes. have to, like, this is going to be the build the team up, kind of get the, the the floor plan, the, the blueprint of how they're going to go and rescue Grogu, and then episode eight is going to be like, all right, let's go and Blitzkrieg Moff Gideon and fuck shit up. Yeah, I think, I think that makes the most sense, but for all we know, they could throw, like, a right curve and Grogu could be saved as soon as the next episode, and then a, a episode is dealing with whatever, like, the repercussions of breaking a prisoner out of a Republic jail. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, so here's my theory, because if we're gonna go get Bill Burr, you have to assume Ahsoka's coming back. Yes, yes. We're gonna, we're gonna see Thrawn. Ooh. And hopefully Ezra by that default because they were last seen together. Yeah. In we're we're gonna see Thrawn by the time this season's over. I think that could be a good closing shot of the season. Well, maybe yeah. maybe Moff Gideon's working for Thrawn. 
That wouldn't be Doc. Or, you know, Thrawn's going to come through because Ahsoka, like, there's some sort of connection there. Uh, and I think we're going to go back to Tython. Like, I think we're oh, going to get one of those, you know, Mando and everybody's doing this, and then we're going to have, like, a side story going on where Grogu's force field, you know, beam up, sent out to somebody. And if we Ezra. do end up getting thrown, Ezra's going to pop up on Tython, and we're going to have Ezra kind of navigating Tython as, like, oh, shit, like, a battle just went Something. down here. We're going to have yeah. a bunch of, like dead stormtroopers and and seeing ones. <laughs> you know all these you know pieces of armor everywhere maybe that's also where the connection comes with Ezra and Ezra recovers Mando's jetpack and Ooh. that's my theory is that Ezra's going to show up on Tython we're going to get a better look and more cuz I feel like Tython we didn't really get a a giant look at this place and for how like special it is in Star Wars lore. That's where we're gonna get the in-depth look, and he's gonna find the jetpack, figure out that like, oh shit, like, you know, I've seen something like this before because he knows, you know, Mandalorian and everything. It, it's gonna bring everybody together, and I think that's how we get Thrawn brought into the picture, and then that's how we get the triangle of Thrawn. And his kind of, you know, doings, the Empire with Moff Gideon, and then Mando and the A-Team. The A-Team. I'm ready for the A-Team. I, I just, I can't really predict anymore. Usually I have some crazy theories and I'm kind of out. The only way, the only thing I can say for before Harrison gets into whatever theory that he had earlier that's hopped himself is that uh, I think that if they go the Thrawn route, I think Ezra is going to be his prisoner because mm -hmm. they were last seen together. I don't think he'll be the one to answer the call. I think if anything, that would be Ahsoka again. That would make more sense because she's still using the Force. Or Luke. Or Luke. I mean, do you guys see the thing? There's some some guy posted. I'll, I'll send you guys a video after if you haven't seen it. Some guy on TikTok posted a video of how much Sebastian Stan and Mark Hamill look mm -hmm. alike. So it's, it's uncanny. So they could go that route without upsetting some fans because technically they'd be recasting Luke would it be someone who like, would actually look the age and not old as crap because Mark Hamill God bless his soul is getting older <laughs> look you know and it's probably what's stop popping around as Luke I but just don't I, want them to go that route because it'll just continue the trend of like Empire versus New Republic resistance yeah and I don't want Luke to pop up in the show at all yeah if I'm being honest I, I, I Star Wars is so big I want to hear the story of the Ezra's and, and the I way that they so world built in the Mandalorian, like I want new stuff to continue yeah. to pop yeah, up, and, and the, that's why and, I think Ezra's yeah. gonna pop up. And the Cal and the and the Cal Kestis from the Star Wars games, I wanted to hear those guys' stories. That would be cool. That would like, be. I think I would get a bigger pop out of that. Uh, I really hope he's Cal the one that answers up. it. That's what I'm hoping for. So my theory is that Ezra is a prisoner, and Thrawn is the calling the shots, which would make sense because he's always doing crazy stuff. And if you like, in Legends, he's always for himself. Like, he works for the Empire, but not really. Like, you know, it's all about him. So I think the experimentation on Grogu is all his plot to either make an army of those robots or maybe give himself the Force or some other... Who knows? And to bring up to your point, too, Dylan, where you said, you know, the last time we saw Thrawn and Ezra, they were together. Dave Filoni has come out and said that the events of Rebels are not necessarily uh, in sequential order with what's going on in The Mandalorian. They 
potentially came after everything uh, that happened in the Mandalorian. Gotcha. So we could still see, you know, some things unfold where the the events of Rebels are after what goes down in the Mandalorian and we see Ezra and Thrawn pop up and that kind of leads to what happens in Rebels and then, you know, in uh, an Ahsoka or Thrawn spinoff series is when we get the post-Rebels action. Yep. You know, it would be a cool closing shot of the season this year, uh, going off of Dylan's theory that uh, Cal could be popping up or Ezra's in prison. Cal busting Ezra out of prison would be such a cool way to end the season. That would be awesome. That I would actually like that. That would make sense because the ending of the game, uh, if you guys haven't played it, it's been out for a while, sorry. Oh, Anybody listening? Spoilers. Um, they find a holocron that has a lot of the remaining Jedis on it, and then they don't know what to do with it, but they destroy it. But the thing is, Cal looks at it, so he has a loose idea of where surviving Jedis are hidden in the world. He also, as you play the game, he gets very stronger with the Force to the point where he'd obviously be able to sense Grogu doing the whole seeing rock thing. So yeah. it would make sense if what Harrison just said came true because he knows where Jedi are and he wants to save other Jedi. And that's probably how, like, the lesser Jedi, the ones who survived the Purge, it's probably how they survive. They either survive by completely negating the Force and just going into farming. Just had a brain blast. What's up? We're more than likely going to see the the reconnection with Bill Burr in the next episode because last season the director who directed Bill Burr's episode is directing the next episode. Uh, oh, yeah. He's imprisoned. What if Thrawn is at this prison? That could happen, too. Ooh, just like the, we don't see him much, but like just a shot of a blue hand or like the back of a blue head. At one point, just to show, or that like he this whole Thrawn mission, like encountering Thrawn at this prison, buys Gideon and everybody time to do more, you know, reconnection with Pershing, and you know, buy time with Grogu while we're interacting with a new big bad. That's a good point, and, and Ezra could be in prison too because the, the, the New Republic doesn't seem like they really care about the past. They're going off of like certain things, so you never know. It's it, it's we won't know until we watch it. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to happen. Kyle's right. Bill Burr is probably going to ninety nine percent be in the episode in some capacity, but besides that, we're not really sure of the overall arching direction. Besides Bill Burr and saving Grogu, probably that's the only things you can probably agree on. Other than that, who knows? Yeah, those are the. I think those are the two things that are guaranteed for the end of the season. Uh, but another reason I think Cal Kestis could be coming onto the show is Cameron Monaghan, who plays him in the game. Big Shameless guy. Shameless is cl- uh, ending after this season. This is the final se- season of Shameless. Who knows? I mean, he's got that contract with Star Wars to do an- at least another game. Yeah. So we can easily see him in live action. Oh, please, because that, that, that we could get Grogu in the game, in the next game. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Hey, you would talk about marketing. They've already selling the crap out of Funkus and toys and dolls. How about Grogu in the game, boys? I'm just, I'm just saying. As, as a playable character where you occasionally get to force choke people. Yeah. Like, he, like he's like on the shoulder like a parrot, and it's like, press X to force choke. And it's follows, like, yeah. Follows you around like Pikachu in Pokemon Yellow. <laughs> yeah, he just wanders around. 
You just take, take, taking little naps as you slaughter people. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Press triangle to steal cookies. Yeah. Uh, so my my prediction for next episode, we're, we're, or at least the next two, we're going to see Thrawn. Like, I, I think it's yeah. a stone cold lock. Like I would, I would bet money that we're going to see Thrawn this season. Um, as we always do, we're going to predict the Rotten Tomatoes uh, and critic ratings, and then we're going to give our own. Uh, so, boys, the Rotten Tomatoes approval rating based on the reviews of thirteen critics clocks in at. I'll start with you, Harrison. So what, this is out of 10 or 100? This is the 0 to 100%. I'm going to say 94. 95%. So the uh, approval rating on the percentage scale for this episode actually clocked in at 100% from 13 oh. critics. Technically, I was closer. Yeah. Uh, and then the <laughs> on the, sk- the 1 to 10 scale, what is the average rating? 10. I'm just going <laughs> to... Actually clocked like in nine. at 9.31. What? Like, oh, man. Uh, the site's critics' consensus reads, Thrilling, confident, and utterly heartbreaking, the tragedy is breathtaking television, brilliantly realized by director Robert Rodriguez. So in your opinions, boys, how do, uh, how do we rank chapter 14, the tragedy? It's another... It's another 10 for me. The past three weeks, no, the past four weeks of The Mandalorian, ever since the Bo-Katan episode, have all been 10s for me. Yeah, They've I agree. knocking it out of the park. It's 10 for me, Kyle. You should, why'd you even ask? You know, I'm a Boba Fett stand. <laughs> I got to see him destroy Stormtroopers with the, with the staff, essentially. Like, And come on, and I got to see him redon his armor and shoot a, a, knee, a knee missile gun. Like, come on. It's a, it's a ten out ten out of ten or eleven out of ten for me. I was in I was in heaven. Yeah, this this episode was damn near flawless. I think the only things you could argue were flaws were just Mando's stubbornness trying to break through the force field, knowing that like the type of guy that Mando is, he's one to catch on pretty quick, but it took him three tries to try to break through this force field and just couldn't do it. Um he didn't retrieve the jetpack, which I know a lot of people took issue with. Um and then just kind of the the perfect timing of things where like that the the timing stuff wouldn't happen if it was real life but that's why it's a television show so people need to realize that but like just the timing of Mando's going down to you know buy time and then boom the force field drops and like yeah all that kind of stuff but i i had no issues with the episode no, the timing thing was a little annoying, but like once we said earlier, this is a show about like space labors and, sp- and space space swords and, and lasers. So it's like, and also the force is supposed to be in like every single item, like encompassing it, like in it and around it. So like the idea that like things happen to happen perfectly timed, I mean, like I'm, it's not that big of a deal, bro. Like Darth Maul literally fell down a giant asshole, lost his lost his legs, and lived for like years. Not not like a year, like years. So it's like. So what? Four things happen at the same time. Like you know, things align. I, you would you would think every person who believes in the Starlack. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you you would think all the people who believe in zodiac signs, whatever it's called, would, would buy into the time thing. So like, it's no, it's no different. Like you know, how I'm I'm like this because I'm a Taurus. Well, yeah, Star Wars, a TV show, it's not real. Three things aligned up. Big Wolf. I think the only thing I was sad about from this episode was the Razor Crest. R.I.P. Razor Crest. Yeah, that was upsetting. Grogu's abduction. 
See, yeah. see, I wasn't like okay. upset by that because like you have to think like that's just building up to the Razor Crest. But... It, that that is dead and gone. Like we're we're never gonna see the Razor Crest know. again. I thought that Razor Crest was gonna through like just its beating and then make it out uh, the the other side okay. Like I thought it was done taking the brutalities bit and gone. Yeah, hopefully he has insurance. Uh, I think that, that, that might increase premiums just a little bit. Just a tad. Yeah. Uh, that's all we got for this episode. So make sure you guys are following us on social media at streamer SZN on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. You can follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. And you can follow Harrison on Twitter at HarryGK83. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. I'm sure we'll come up with some theory blogs for the next couple of episodes to, uh, you know, kind of just get our excitement up. Like, we only have two more episodes left, boys. This is crazy. I can't wait, man. Next Friday is going to be insane. Uh, So, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com is the website. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about the return of Boba Fett getting his glory finally. And, uh, you know, Grogu being captured, how you feel about the Dark Troopers. What are your predictions for, you know, Chapter 15 and 16? All that good stuff. Leave it in the Apple Podcast Reviews because just like Captain Hans Olo will read it on the podcast, you still got to come up with a segment name or a title for the podcast reviews on the episode. But we need more of them to come through in order for that to happen. So drop a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, but five stars only because we have standards, and we know you do too, and we know your standards are five stars. You can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, a bunch of other podcast platforms as well, and we should be on some new ones heading into 2021. And uh, we'll be right back here for another Mando Monday uh, following Chapter 15, which I'm excited to see what that episode is titled. This uh, the chapter fourteen, the shortest episode we've had of the season two, and I think it was perfectly fit into the time frame as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, any final thoughts before uh, we we head into hyperspace? Just happy to see Bill Burr with some more one liners and some whips next episode. I, I want to see Boba Fett use that uh that uh, what's it called the staff the, the mm. stick. I want to see him use that way more. That was <laughs> the coolest thing in the episode, in my opinion. Absolutely. This episode was awesome. Shout out to Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau for just a, an amazing episode. And uh, this has been another Mando Monday right here on the Streamer Season podcast feed presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, sponsored by our friends at Tomahawk Shades and Manscaped. Both websites, promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com gets you 25% off your order. And right now, all domestic orders get free shipping. And manscaped.com, promo code USP, like we said, you get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you for using our <laughs> promo code USP at manscaped.com. And uh, this has been another Mando Monday right here on the Streamer Season podcast feed. For Dylan, for Harrison, I'm KB. Until next time, this is the way.